What really struck me in working with individuals who go for, for elective office is that it's a pure entrepreneurial activity. And the reason is because it's uh, unambiguously win-lose. The thing that, that really made this thing even more real is um, when we prototyped this little AI tool that would help you find money in your business. So it's a diagnostic and we were able to show a prototype in a couple of days, that's when the lights and the ding, ding, ding went on. We're like, God, we got a winner here. The primary mistake is that the commentators, commentators are intellectual mm. and they, they tend to think in terms of abstract policies being the determinants. When, when in fact, they're, um, they're lunch pail emotional issues that determine the vote. We decided to call this episode the entrepreneurial election. And um, there's some big ideas in here. One of them was a question that you asked, uh, which is what would you die for in your philosophy of not being neutral? And those don't directly correlate with the topic, but I want you to define what is the entrepreneurial election, Dan? Well, I've uh, actually been very active politically from a, an election standpoint, and I don't mean just voting, I mean that I've actually been, a, I think it's eight election campaigns where I've you know, played a part, you know, not a major part, but a, a time part and a money part and a strategy part. In some cases, I've actually, you know, been central to sort of this strategy that politicians and, um, <clears throat> And recently, uh, the last three, I've been very, very successful, the candidate one. And uh, uh, it was a particular use of a coach tool that actually helped them get strategic coach tool that got elected. One of them's a sitting U.S. senator right now. And uh, what really struck me in working with individuals who go for election uh, for elective office is that it's a pure entrepreneurial activity. And the reason is because it's uh, unambiguously win-lose, you know, there's, mm -hmm. uh, and, uh, uh, and they, they struck me that the moment they're in, they have to think about the next election. And it's not too d different from entrepreneurs who, yeah, you got a big payday, but now you got to start working on the, the next payday. And so it struck me that um, it would be helpful to, people who have a dismissive attitude or a negative attitude towards politics, that these individuals are, um, um, you know, are putting their past on the, on the line. They're putting their reputation on the line. And there, there's no loser in American society like a political loser. <laughs> I mean, Not entrepreneurs true. can come back, but when you're a loser, especially those who go for the presidency, you're, you lose in a presidential campaign, you are a loser forever. <laughs> yep. Yep. And um, I have a really... Except for maybe one exception who's presently with us right now. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> no, that's uh, very... Yes. So, and so I have a very relevant story. Um, so the, for the past three days, I've been working on a new business with a husband and wife team. It's Kurt and Kristen Ludhart, 
who have been in the business of getting people elected, which include one president, 14 governors, 15 senators, and 88 members of Congress. And um, they say it's 50% plus one is what it takes to win, right? And and if you're not, you're a loser. And just to give you a little context here, they've raised over a half a billion dollars from over 11 million political contributions. And over the past 20 plus years, they've had to adapt to get people elected and done the equivalent of created a startup that lasts for about 18 months that they know is going to die somewhere between as early as tomorrow to as soon as their candidate gets elected. All right. So it's a business where there isn't a lot of loyalty, but they've had to build an, uh, a small army of, of people who know how to convince people and sell one of the hardest things ever. Right. And, mm -hmm. and one of their case studies that I thought was really, really interesting. Um, so we, we dug into everything they've done and we've adapted all their past wisdom into tools that entrepreneurs can use to grow their business. They basically are moving out of the political world and into, you know, entrepreneur support. So, you know, they came to me and said, Hey, what do you think we should do? And I said, well, first of all, you have a great story. They met in college. They were both involved in, in Republican politics and, geographically, um, where, uh, geographically, where, uh, Indian, where they Indianapolis, Indianapolis area. So they're oh. Indiana. Yeah, they're really sweet, nice Midwest folks. Good, good, Just, good state for getting Republicans elected. <laughs> well, and, then, and, and is it, they, is it, I mean, but they've done it all over. They have. I mean, they they worked on you know Trump versus Jeb um, campaign, and they've 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 done so many interesting projects, and. Um, and so part of the experience that we've been um, working on is I've been deconstructing their greatest successes and adapting those into strategies that a business owner founder can use. So I'm going to mm -hmm. I'm going to give you an example one here because it, it's darned interesting. And then what we built is this toolkit and an AI platform that will evaluate your business and generate a report that will say, here's how you can use our tools to grow your business, and it'll give an estimation. So it's 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 been a ton of fun. Um, so there's some lessons in here, but one of their campaigns was um, something the for, called the the rank choice system, an election process. Yeah, I know the rank choice. Yeah. yeah. And whether you like it or not, it's really hard to describe to people because most people don't understand how elections work in the first place and how ballots are counted, et cetera. Um, but they're the ones who created the campaign that got it passed in Alaska. And right now it's going through a repeal process. But the way they sold it is by saying, hey, if you're in favor of getting rid of dirty money in politics, vote yes on blah 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 too whatever the the thing was i've got the whole ad but um the point being when something's too complicated and people already have their minds made up about something make it easy for them to say yes to something that sounds the same um now mm -hmm. that can totally be used as a bad bad weapon but in this particular case there was no possible way they could have educated the public on what this was or wasn't but they got them to raise their hand on something they felt strongly about. And um, 
you know, so when you create these campaigns, you know, you got to move with like yesterday's news to to create and maintain momentum when you're playing mm-hmm. the game of politics. So um, I learned so much over the past, you know, working mm-hmm. with them here and I've had to rethink. It was like I had to reeducate myself on how to think about what politics mean and then adapting it to a totally different yeah. world. And in this case, it's like getting elected. Your business gets elected every time you make a transaction. Yeah. Well, my my whole attitude about politics and people say, well, you know, I've been around high tech people, you know, that technology is just going to bypass politics. And uh, I said, well, you know, <clears throat> you haven't really read much history, you know, and uh, you don't really know it. But I think politics, um, even in uh certainly in democratic places, I'll just confine it to that, where there's a chance for change, you know, uh, democracy Mm. creates the possibility for change. Okay, but it's change without violence. And the the reason most places you can only have change with violence. Like, for example, in Russia, if you look at Russia, there is no possibility of Putin being removed as leader unless there's extreme violence, okay? And, and the way he got to uh, uh, to be leader was through extreme violence. And I have a belief that uh, every action mm. uh, causes, you know, it's Newton's third law. Uh, and then in China, the, the China, there, there's no happy ending for the current situation in China. Nope. You know, you, know there, you can just name the countries around the world, but, you know, the United States is really interesting because taken from a certain perspective, it's actually 50 countries who have created massive cooperation and agreement mm-hmm. between the other, uh, each, each state creates massive agreement with the other 49 states, you know, but they compete like mad. They compete for, you know, they compete for citizens, they compete for workers, they compete for investment, they can... You know, uh, I mean, it's just they're they're fiercely competitive. For example, in your home state of California, Texas has the equivalent of four political consulates. I think uh, probably one in your city, one in L.A., one Mm. in San Francisco. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, and uh, and all they do is invite California business owners to come in and they they present them with a deal. We can move your entire company to to uh, Dallas or Houston or Austin or San Antonio. And uh, here's the tax deals we'll get you in the first five years if you move your company to that. And every there's hundreds and hundreds of companies that take the deal, yeah. you know, they move. But that's completely legal under the US Constitution that states can steal from each other, yeah. you know? Well, it's really interesting. And in every state, there's a permanent bureaucracy of people who are just lifetime administrators. But the people who really make the decisions and vote on the decisions are the elected officials. Yeah. You know, and um, I mean, it takes a certain type of nervous system to do it. You and I don't have it. Nope. You don't have. But I've um, the current senator that we have is just perfect. And he's an entrepreneur. You know, he's got his own business. He comes from a, a big, big entrepreneurial empire. And uh, he, um, he he's just 
I, I said, he's just the perfect guy. I just saw him give a speech. It was on YouTube. I saw the speech from, and it was just a beautiful speech. You know, it's on the current Middle East troubles. And he's gave, gave this speech and everything. So, you know, it's not your preferred way of living your life. And you, you know, you don't think that it's very valuable, but there, it only exists because it's valuable to a great number of people. It's um, really. And your friends would be deep in this probably more than almost anyone else. Well, they 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 have such an interesting point of view because know that. <clears throat> so they're. First of all, they're entrepreneurs, first and foremost, just built that way. And they they their backstory, Kurt and Kristen's backstory is while they went into college, they had to make some money. And they had to have something that was flexible while they're doing their political stuff, which at the time didn't really pay. So they um, sold fireworks out of their car. And um, at one point they were, and they, they worked through a broker who had them sell somewhere and they showed up to sell their fireworks and cops came and they were going to arrest them because you couldn't sell fireworks wherever this town is. I don't remember the the name of the town. Well, <clears throat> well some states some states you can and some states yeah. you can't. Well, this is right Maybe. over the border in a border town, but here's what had happened. So they called up the guy and immediately, like within minutes, all the cops backed down because it turned out the guy who told them where to go to sell the, the fireworks had written in a special policy in that one town and made selling fireworks legal there. So <laughs> even though the surrounding area wasn't, it was just in that town. And, and what wound up happening is they got a ton of press and a ton of media. And it was, it, and at first it was like a SWAT team, you know, armed guys there ready to pull them down. And that got captured by the news. Oh, and, yeah. um, and then when they backed off, you can't, they got you, a, can't, you can't buy that kind of advertising. You couldn't. And suddenly they became, no. they were little heroes. And then they, they parried that their next step. So that was like, huh, well, this is, you know, there's good learning experience there. And it's about having people in high places who make special rules for themselves, whether you like it or hate it. That's the world mm -hmm. we live in. Right. It's sort of yeah. like you're talking about the States, but then um, uh, the other thing that happened is, then they adapted the same strategy to selling, uh, basically installing Christmas tree lights. So they had a, a business that, um, <clears throat> but then they started, you know, using their political know-how and it's well, like, oh, Christmas, we tree, Christmas tree lights today would get you arrested <laughs> <laughs> in some towns. <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> we have to yeah, have uh, Kwanzaa lights or something, whatever. Yeah. yeah. Um, well, mm -hmm. But I, I, it is really good. Um, there's so many great stories here, and, yeah. and again, the more we decoded it, I, I put on my Dan Sullivan hat, you know, and I'm thinking, how can I use this? How can I use this? How can I turn this into another strategy? And, uh, and basically productize these, yeah. these political strategies for, um, storytelling, income generation, and um, also like here's another key idea that came out of this so they've raised half a billion dollars from 11 million people they really wow. really understand 
both sides how they think the demographic psychographic imagine for a moment where they can analyze all your buyers and all your customers and say we know exactly who they are who they voted for and what their other issues are that they love and we can actually make campaigns well, designed to attract your perfect customer to you um i mean the uh going back to the 2016 election <clears throat> the the whole election in the united states for president came down to 220 voting districts in five states you know it's pennsylvania ohio michigan wisconsin and i think that there was one other and it was very interesting it was 220 districts that in the previous election two elections had voted for obama okay and they all went yeah. to trump yeah and what what they did is that they watched twitter feeds and uh and i think you know the your friends handiwork well this is the actual election they were in getting him the nomination right mm. well they've done both they, they were involved in the full election too yeah yeah but the big thing was that um they just measured twitter conversations in these 220 districts and um what are people most passionate about in their twitter feeds and they geared all the election issues to what they yeah. were most excited about and it was it took see the first of all um trump himself will explode people's heads but the fact that trump used high tech <laughs> high tech you oh, know yeah. the, the, because that uh, you know the people in silicon valley that's not their candidate yeah. he actually used the one of the weapons that they used uh, to actually win and the, that that was I think it was humiliating I I think it was unforgivable that he he did this I mean in a lot of people's eyes he's unforgivable but uh but you know he he understands uh not to get off topic here but mm -hmm. uh Trump Trump unders first of all I think he's a natural born politician yeah. who spent 50 years in the business world well and any understands so he's the, entrepreneurial he's entrepreneurial yeah the rest of them are lawyers they're mm -hmm. you know they're mm -hmm. they're uh you know uh, uh social workers you know and everything else and um i i won't you know push this too far but it's generally the rule that when one party gets elected a man in one party gets elected he or she takes a pay cut yeah and the other party when they get elected they get wealthy yeah yep yeah that is i'm not i'm not i'm not you know i'm no. not pointing fingers here but it's my experience that generally <laughs> yeah one of them really does it for the money and the other one you know does it for a variety of different reasons yeah no i think there's a big uh the power turns into wealth and stays that way generally um as yep. long as you can stay in where uh yeah that that is a, a great distinction well here i'm going to give you some numbers because i looked it up in here so they during the election they managed the trump sms campaign which at the time was very new to send videos what and images what is what, uh, what's uh, pardon sms yeah SMS. They, sms it's basically text messaging um, oh. But they they did what's known as MMS, which is the multimedia text messaging, which 
then they also did the America First app. So they were the first to appify politics. And what they did in there is they made it viral. So you basically shared and would effectively enroll other people in getting the app by messaging them through the through the system. So they um, and ultimately they also did a whole bunch of email and like one of their emails generated two point six million dollars. They raised over sixty million dollars. But here's what's important about this. Um, one of the when they looked at the 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 value or or the cost for a vote, um, and specifically with Jeb Bush, Jeb was paying fifty two hundred dollars per vote using yeah. traditional media. Trump was was buying them for three hundred. So, um, and at the time. Um, you know, Trump asked people to solicit friends and family versus Jeb was um, using broadcast TV and responding to vanity metrics. And I think, again, the di distinction, this isn't a political statement. It's just like using your head. And what they said, the beauty of working with Trump is, is he want to know all the metrics. He, he want to know exactly what everything costs. And he was constantly just axing out. Well, he's an entrepreneur. Yeah, he had to, right? Yeah, you got to pay attention to that. So, well, the other thing is that he had been the general election. She had twice the budget. She had twice the budget, and I wonder, you know, I mean, first of all, you're going. Each party is going to get thirty percent automatically. Mm -hmm. It's the forty percent in the middle that where the election is determined. <clears throat> you know, you have to get. Uh, you have to get out of the other 40%, you've got to get 21% to get elected. Yeah. Okay. 20, 21 out of the 40. <clears throat> it's actually uh, the election, most elections come down to a very narrow segment of the electorate that goes this way or they go that way. Yep. Yes. And yeah, when you're, when you're that slim with that few number of votes, um, being able to re react in real time, truly understanding your metrics and um, apply really cool storytelling to the latest technology, because what's been tipping elections lately is the use. I mean, it, you know, Trump, again, he did it with with social. And ultimately, you know, one of the things that Kurt and Kristen said, the whole thing about the uh, uh, what was the 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 I, I forget the name of it, Informatica or whatever. It's the big, um, the whatever that software is, Cambridge Analytica. Hey, Cambridge that was Analytica. All yeah. BS. They said yeah. complete, but it was a, a sensationalized media hype hype yeah. piece. But again, well, they had to again, explain some nefarious reason why the election had happened. Well, they right, and but here's the deeper. <laughs> thing that that goes on and again i'm not making a pl political statement at all here it's just like i'm fascinated with the yeah. combination of the strategy the storytelling the technology the stack behind it and the and who does this stuff right and creating uh an unfair advantage but it doesn't matter what the truth is or what the story is after one party loses and uh <laughs> right not at all and so yeah. what you've and and when the when when things are slim, you've got to stack things in your favor. And what ultimately works here 
you know, if 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 you're gonna boil down, and I'm still very raw and very fresh and like really thinking about this and looking at their whole world, their palette of tools and strategies they've employed over the past 20 years. And they've yeah. got a massive body of work. But you know, they've employed games and uh uh and like they did a game, for example, that was a monopoly game where uh it was basically no matter how you played, and it was like it was basically how they were trying to illustrate how much money was going to Ill illegal immigrants, how much, how many free money programs were available. And the bottom line is whenever you'd play the game, you'd win no matter what you do. And you got free money. <laughs> and, uh, and you know, it was clearly a dig, but the whole point is what can you do that will get attention and, and mobilize, um, a behavior. And what they have said, one of their biggest takeaways is people's, minds don't get changed but they will get motivated to take action so yeah. it has more to do with getting um people out who haven't been voting to vote again that can yeah. sway an election and and there's a whole bunch of tricks psychological tricks so the same mindsets can be applied to how do you reactivate inactive customers how mm -hmm. do you encourage someone to like in 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 a political it's all about getting camp uh getting um contributions so how do you get them mm -hmm. to not just buy once but to buy over and over and over again and ultimately i think political psychology is much more raw and primal than um traditional marketing and that's well, one of the I reasons the, i'm so fascinated by it uh, the mistake is because the <clears throat> the primary commentators on politics, I think that's certainly the case in, you know, I live in Toronto, and uh, but in the United States, uh, where we live in Chicago, the primary mistake is that the commenta commentators are intellectual, um. and they... They tend to think in terms of abstract policies being the determinants, when when in fact they're um, they're lunch pail emotional issues that determine the vote. Oh. Mm. You know, an emotion is, and we're experiencing it in Canada right now. Uh, they say, yeah, but he's very articulate, and you know, he travels all over the world and everything else. And it comes down to, yeah, but I, I really don't like him and I really don't trust him. <laughs> I mean, uh, you know, how, how do you argue with yeah. someone? I don't like him and I don't trust him. Yeah. Yeah. How do you, how do you, you got to, how do you turn that? How, how do you turn that? You one need around? a war. <laughs> yeah. You need something pretty. Yeah. You got to have something where we all have to get on the same side. Um, yeah. And that is, uh, yeah. Like the dog. <laughs> yeah, right. And I think that that's another part of what um, has been yeah, fascinating. Can I ask you two questions? Go for it. Um, one is that in working with them, what's shifted from your standpoint of what top politics is all about? Oh. Um, I have a second question, too. But oh, that's, that, that's really good. So, um Here's what I was preparing to talk about. And I think it'll it'll equate into the same thing. So um, now Kurt and Kristen have worked with some of the greatest political strategists and commentators. And of course, they have to know both sides. 
and much like um washington you know you hear about people who are like political opponents but they'll sit down and have drinks together because they know it's an act right it's a performance improv and um i think one of them is uh just how aware of storytelling and how you can get someone to react and get motivated to do something. So like one of the tricks of the trade that I'd never heard of before is because your vote is public record. One of the biggest tricks they'll use that'll get, that'll get reactions, but it'll piss off a lot of people. And in fact, you'll even, you can even get death threats. Okay. Is when you do mailers, shaming people and saying you haven't been doing your duty. We know your record and you didn't vote. Or uh, if you call someone on voting inconsistently, <clears throat> all right? Oh, they hate it, but it'll motivate them to do something. They'll take action. It'll get the votes out, and especially for Republicans. So I think um, I hadn't thought of the level of, of, of shame um, that can be employed and how easily malleable people really are. Um, and I, I, you know, like I've been aware of politics in the sense of like, oh, you see a campaign, you see a message, but now I really have an appreciation for just how much thought goes into this and that there's a totally different personality type. Like one of the things they said, we've got employees who just love politics mm -hmm. and they wouldn't want to do anything else. That's and they'll do it. For, they'll actually almost do it for free. Yeah, I think I think I you're mean, probably election right. Campaigns are, election campaigns are mostly volunteers. I think you're right. And then when you get into the strategy side and the business side, I'd have to ask them that specifically. But I, yeah. I, I, um, like I love toolkits, and to see. They, you know, like Kurt went through with Kristen and they went through decades of creative and we found lots of ads. And um, and when I saw the creative and the evolution of it, so like something that would have worked six years ago, absolutely will not now. Like our attention spans are so short. And um but the 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 lesson in there, the psychological lesson is great. So I think the level of depth of understanding yeah. and how they're they're direct response marketers, but way different than we are, which is why I think they're gonna do so well because they bring in a totally different type of um secret weapon thinking that can be done ethically, morally, um and effectively. So I don't know if I answered your question, but that's one of the big yeah. ones. And I have to, yeah, yeah. I'm going to think well, more well, about yeah. it. I mean, it's a vast universe. Uh, I mean, we think of the business world as a vast universe politics. I mean, first of all, uh, uh, you know, there's significantly more money available in the political realm than there is in the business, uh, in the business realm. I mean, oh. there's just huge amounts of money that flow through. And they spend someone know. else's money, right? Uh, yeah. And, uh, you know, it, it is what it is, you know, and uh, it's been around forever. Politics has been been around forever. Yeah. And the. Um, so tell me how they're better off for knowing you for the last 
because this is very recent. So they spent three days with you. So what did they find out about themselves and the secret to how they work that Mm. they did not know before they Mm. spent three days with you? Yeah. So, so last night we had dinner at my friend Chris and Pam Hendrickson's home, and they're they're the ones who have worked with Tony Robbins for over thirty years. Uh, both of them, Pam's been responsible for product creation, and Chris. So we're all sitting around having this conversation. That's why I brought it up. It's it's fairly fresh, and um, this actually was our second three days. So we built a business at first with a model called Reinvent Faster, and. And what I told them as soon as I met them, because they said, hey, we're, we've been in this political game. But the truth is, um, the world of political marketing is changing dramatically. Um, and it's going to change even more dramatically. And, you know, we enjoy this, but we, you know, like you, like who you work with is who got to here, like who's available. It's not like you really pick your clients Mm -hmm. and, um, you know, they wouldn't say we don't like our clients, but there's a lot of people that we just, you know, we would, we'd prefer not to work with, but this is what we got to work with. Right. There's a bit of same old, same old too. Yeah. And, and when they told me about this, I said, well, and I, I interviewed them and I told them flat out, I said, first of all, this is such a unique story. I can guarantee you that, your history, what you've learned, what you've done can totally apply to business and you can hit the ground running and get results. Hey, this is Mike Koenigs. Sorry to interrupt the podcast, but if you're an action taker and ready to transform and reinvent yourself and your business, go to connecttomike.com to learn more and book a conversation with me right now. All right, back to the episode. And then when I heard the basic idea of you know, raising half a billion dollars, 11 million contributors. And, and I said, if we just went to business owners and said, we can give you access to a buyer, you've probably never known how to talk to in a unique way. Like every business could grow. Yeah. Um, there's a free money play here. And I, I think they really settled into that and they felt super hopeful that they they wouldn't have to start a completely brand new business because just full disclosure, no. they started buying other businesses. And what they were about to do is just start buying. They bought an ice cream um, shop in a little tiny town. They started buying other little shops and businesses because they love small business. They That's their passion. They bought real estate. And I said, man, you've got this beautiful opportunity no. to really be innovative. It, it, and they got excited, like genuinely well, excited. Well, you already have a lot of real estate that you don't recognize as real estate. Yeah. You know, yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> you know, in uh, in our history as a coach, we're approaching 25,000 entrepreneurs. Yeah. Okay, we've done in coach. And on average, they've spent three years, um, three years. If you take them right from the beginning, it's about three years. <clears throat> And personally, I've coached 7,000. We have coaches who coach the others. And uh, um, I can name on less than two hands the number of people who've actually, when they went through a transformation, actually started doing a different industry. Oh. 
what they did is they found the part of their present thing that they really loved and got rid of everything else. Yes. It sounds to me that's what you did. Yeah, that's that is very true. And there's a reason why they've spent their adult years doing this. You know, uh, going back to a previous podcast, there's a something that they're doing that they cannot not do. Yes. Isn't that the truth? Well, but they don't have to they don't have to change citizenship to do this. They don't have to move to another continent to do this. It's just taking a look at the but their the, market just got like orders of magnitude larger. You know, the, yeah. the I I believe that the story of having the secret weapon of a president you know, 14 senators, 15 governors, 88 members of Congress on your side, finding a f new ways to reach new customers in ways you've never thought of before. Um, that can, and who's used to building startups that create elections in, and they build entire teams, right? That have to be effective, yeah. that were designed to only last for 18 months or sometimes a couple of months. Yeah. That's a very, very unique skill set. That mm -hmm. um that's what got me excited. I'm like, hell yeah, I know I know well, and, and and the truth is we pivoted several times because the stories changed, right? And um and even you know, it, 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 and the thing that, that really made this thing even more real is um, when we prototype this little AI tool that would help you find money in your business. So it's a diagnostic and we were able to show a prototype in a couple of days. That's when the lights and the ding, ding, ding went on. We're like, God, we got a winner here. This is going to be like the yeah. best stage trick ever to hook an audience and say, you want to find out how much money we can find? Just answer these 10 questions and it builds a custom report. So it's, that was, it's, that's an over answer of your question, but it was a, a, a momentum building experience for both of us, all of us. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> and there are, uh, in what generation, uh, what they, how old would they be? So they are in their um, early 40s, 41. And, oh, wow. Yeah. Yep. So they're they packed um, a lot of experience. They packed a lot of experience in a couple of decades. It's it, I I have to remind myself I'm not talking to a 60 some year old because because there's so much embedded wisdom. Like when you get immersed in the world of politics, and I and I'll I'll single out Republican specifically because there's a different mindset about what goes on, right? And and what's important. So uh, I think that values based and also where they came from. I mean, they're they are like salt of the earth from hard working families. Who they, yep, they're good Midwestern <laughs> folk. Right. And they yeah. have really worked hard and they're also young parents now. Um, so they they held off making babies yeah. until later on um, in life. And so. Yeah, they're they're definitely yeah. wise beyond their years, both Kurt and Kristen. Yeah, did I ever tell you the difference, the two different targets that the uh, the parties have, the Republicans and the Democrats? I don't think so. If you think of a target with a bullseye and then the yeah. outer ring, 
So if you're, um, I'll say conservative liberals, okay? Yep. Not necessarily the parties, but conservative liberal, because it would be true here in Canada too. Um, in the center for conservatives is God, and then there's family, yep. and then there's community, and then there's their occupation and their business. And maybe that's number three, number three. Uh, and then there's an outer ring called politics. And every election cycle, you get involved in some way, you write money, you do everything else, you make volunteer yeah. and everything else. So in the, the liberal uh, target, the center is political power. Mm. That's God. For, for liberals, political power is, is God, mm. okay? And then the next one out is your identity group, mm -hmm. <laughs> your identity group. And then there's your career. There's your career, okay? And then there's the community you live in, which only has people like you, mm -hmm. <laughs> okay, like you. And then in the outer, outer, outer thing is, um, you know, sort of causes or what, whatever it is. They're two completely different targets. Okay. So the thing is that politics is not a religion for, for conservatives, but it is for, because there is no other access to power except politics where, you know, there's in the conservative level, there's, there's God power, there's family power, mm -hmm. there's friendship power, there's uh, entrepreneurial power, there's community power and everything else. So they're much more focused. And that's why they, they t when things go wrong, um, conservatives go back to the drawing board and said, well, that didn't work. Let's come up with something new. Um, <clears throat> when uh, things don't work for liberals, they have um, a system-wide emotional breakdown. Wow, that's a lot to unpack. You know, I mean, the rings may vary, but yeah. in the center is God, because mm -hmm. conservatives are, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm one of them. Yep. And, uh, and, uh, you know, but um, then my relationship with Babs, and then my company, you know, the strategic yep. coach, our clients and everything like that. And, uh, you know, there's certain places I like to live and I contribute. I mean, uh, you know, I'm, I'm a yeah. dual citizen, so I vote in both countries because I think it's important. Right. And I live in I live in a district in Toronto where I've been voting for 30 years, and not once has my candidate <laughs> candidate won. Not even close. Not even not even not even close. You know. Uh. And uh, but I always vote because you know you got to vote. Use the vote. You know. Yeah. And I think not voting is a vote. Yeah, I I agree. I agree. I think yeah. um I have a a lot more <clears throat> I've gained a lot more respect for the process. I will never look at uh the political game and the play field the same way. And now I feel like I'm armed with some inside information to spot the intent. And what's yep. going on now, what you just talked about, like I said, I, that's a lot to unpack. But what, one of the things I was surprised to hear is how, you know, they always say, well, it's the economy, stupid. Um, it's about 
and that would translate into jobs. But in a way, what you're saying. It's political power, stupid. <laughs> yeah. And, and yeah, yeah. But, but um, um, uh, it's very, very interesting. They do surveys of conservatives and liberals. Okay. And they find that conservatives generally have liberal friends, but liberals don't have conservative friends. Yeah. I, and the reason is you you accept people as people, and then, you know, there's things you do differently on election day. Mm -hmm. You know. Yeah. Yeah. The the it's so interesting the level of intolerance, right? Um, and I uh, that's, that's yeah. I mean, I would say yeah. if I was in a conversation with someone who had the opposite belief, mm -hmm. I would think that they're wrong, and they would think that I'm evil. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. Not a moral judgment. I I just don't think you're understanding how the world actually works. Yeah. You know. Yeah. yeah. I, I said, but you know, I you know, you may be a very good person and you do good things and everything else. Yeah. But for me, my 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 sheer political beliefs makes me evil, you know, and that means that God is political power, you know. That's, mm. that's why, because I'm a threat to political power. And I said, uh, you know, you know. Anyway, but it's really interesting, and I, I'm happy with this because I've had this perspective. My first uh, political campaign that I contributed and took part in was 1964. So that's. Yeah. almost 60 years almost 60 years and i couldn't even vote because it was 21 in the united states mm. and, um, and uh, i voted in 68 so that's my first election and you know i've always taken a great interest in it you know but um you know and actually participated in i think it's eight political campaigns one way or the other and you know it's part of life and you know yeah. One thing I will tell you about politics, and I said, more different kinds of people participate in politics than any other human activity. And yep. just by contributing, you meet people and get in touch with people that you had no other possibility in your life to yes. actually come in. And I bet that both of them will tell you the same thing. It's just the mix of people who get involved. Mm-hmm. Just, just because of their passion about politics is really remarkable. Yeah, I think I think that and philanthropy, um, because I would put rank them both in. Uh, they're very different worlds, but um, we were just at a philanthropic fundraiser for cancer thing, and again, for sure, like I could walk around. I guarantee I could pick out who which side each person I met voted on, you know, <laughs> and there was a grand mix of, of every, of everyone there. Researchers, you know, like San Diego is the biotech hub right now. There's oh, so much going on here the, with of longevity the, of the world, of the world, probably. Oh, it's insane. And they filled up the Rady um, shell, which is second only to the Hollywood bowl. I think it's the greatest um, outdoor musical venue right now. It's an architectural masterpiece, and it sounds amazing. And Ed Sheeran was performing, who's quite the big deal. And um, it was packed, completely sold out. 
for this fundraiser, but I I couldn't help but think, and now you're making me think about it more, which is like, where could you meet? Like, there were so many billionaires packed into that place and multi, 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 like the biggest money families in San Diego were at that event. And, um, and a lot of academics, a lot of clearly they would absolutely be left-leaning to the nth degree um, yeah. and getting along marvelous, marvelously, I might add. Yeah, yeah. So um, yeah. here's what my aha moment is, is how powerful and effective tribalism can be because in the U.S. and elsewhere, I, I've, see it, I've seen it very negatively. I, I see so many people fighting against each other. And the bridge, and, so, and some of it just came from this project, is how I believe entrepreneurialism is an international language of peace, prosperity, and abundance. And the more people that speak it, the better. The more young people who are taught entrepreneurship at a young age means they'll never go to college thinking they're going to get jobs and wind up indentured servants, for example. Um, And what I'm excited about is, is using this knowledge and wisdom to propel and accelerate entrepreneurialism um, versus, you know, the problem with politics is more often than not, it creates more bureaucracy, which is the Mm -hmm. antithesis of all things entrepreneurial. Yeah. Yeah. And I always say that uh, both of them are French words. The entrepreneurism <laughs> and bureaucracy are both French words. And I said that they they decided that they didn't want the one. So it moved to England, uh, you know, to, to Holland and England and then the United States. My, my sense is that, uh, you know, I, I take a bit of a um, simpler view of entrepreneurs it's about prosperity Mm -hmm. it's about prosperity and peace is a lot easier inside of prosperity yes i completely agree yeah yeah i think peace is a byproduct of prosperity Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. focus on prosperity The the other thing is that um the way things are in the united states right now is kind of historically, from my standpoint, the way that things have always been in the United States, but not since the Second World War, okay? And so there was this notion, there was this tremendous unity about the war, and then they mm-hmm. came out, and, you know, and the, you know, the, you know, the Democrats they, and the Republicans, they vied for it. And they said, but the media, you know, the media was totally unified. But what they don't realize, it was totally unified on one side. It was totally unified mm. only on, on the left, okay? And what happened was FM radio. FM radio broke the solidarity of the United States. Mm. And the reason is that it was possible in the 1930s to do FM radio, and RCA and AT&T blocked it because they thought they would lose their power with AM radio. And it came in in the 70s and 80s, but it immediately went to center cities and went to university campuses and who who were very, very much on one side of the political spectrum. Mm. And the AM radios were just dying everywhere, and they were taken over by religious programs from the right. And then... um, Yeah. 
Russ Limbaugh take uh, said, you know, there's a political medium here. Yeah. And then all of a sudden they said, we're polarized. We're po no, there was just a second voice. Yeah. <laughs> it wasn't polarized. It was the first time I grew up when everything, mm -hmm. everything was the single voice. Yep. You yep. know, Walter yep. Cronkite, David Brinkley, they all yep. had the same message. Yeah. But then in the 70s, it started changing. It was because the left side of the, the medium abandoned AM radio. Wow. And there was a vacuum to be filled, and it got filled by the other side. <laughs> yeah. 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 Well, it's um, yeah. you have an abundance anyway, of cheap, uh, cheap bandwidth, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Cheapest magic, bandwidth. Magic happens. That's that's a, it's the that's where great entrepreneurial stuff happens. It's sort of like, why do you sell on the streets? Because it's free, right? Um, yeah. No, um, secret to all entrepreneurial breakthroughs is abundant and cheap. Yep, I love it. Well, this is um, yeah, this has been another super fascinating, interesting uh, episode. Did not yeah. go in the directions I thought. I will put. A, I, I hope we. Uh, I hope we cross Pat, your two friends. I oh, you're gonna. They're they're so. Uh, um, I did a good job of setting up coach and I think they're going to be, um, amazing, amazing members too. That like, they're going to be, you're just going to love conversations. Plus they've got just the, um, so Kurt's the strategist. He's got this really great creative mind and he just knows exactly what to do. And then Kristen, his wife, is the ops person. She is, so she's the one who knows how to operate, operationalize and scale and grow things. And um, she's super bubbly, delightful, got a beautiful smile, just laughs, laughs, laughs. She's just like, we have a lot of fun together. So um, I think you're, you're just going to enjoy both of them. And then I'll I'll shamelessly plug their, their new site that's going up. It's reinventfaster.com. So you can try out this little tool we built, um, which as of now that we're recording, it's it's going to be done by the time we uh, we release this podcast episode. But it's just been a, like I said, I've learned so much in a short period of time. I have just a new appreciation for what feels more like an art form to me now yep. than, than a grinding yep. business. Yeah. Yep. So, well, there we go. We amplified a capability. Another one, another one. It has been a blast. So uh, I'll wrap this up by saying, as usual, if you know someone who um, would enjoy a spirited conversation about uh, the entrepreneurial election, but also rethinking how you get elected every time you do a transaction with a client or a customer. Um, share this with someone you know and uh, rate it. And we'll see you in an upcoming episode very soon. Thank you very much, Mike. Oh, yeah. Total blast. Bye-bye.